Good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to our final Anchored in the Word morning reflection, and I hope that you've had a wonderful week. I hope that this passage of Scripture has been an encouragement to you. And as we get ready to go into the weekend, I pray that uh, you will be encouraged by um, not just the things that you've heard, but the things that you're going to hear this weekend. And uh, if you're a part of our church family, I want to remind you that this Sunday, we're going to have our Christmas cantata, and uh, the choir will be doing several specials. A couple of other groups will be doing specials. Um, the cantata itself is going to be focused on uh, Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, and some of the greatest statements in the New Testament about the Incarnation. So I hope that you will join us in person if possible, and uh, maybe bring somebody with you, because I think that you'll find it to be very encouraging, very Christ-centered, a uh, great opportunity for someone to hear the gospel. I'm going to read the text one more time, and then I'd like to share with you uh, just some final thoughts about what we've looked at this week. Here's what it says, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy, or the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Tamar, and Phares begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram. Aram begat Amminadab, and Amminadab begat Nassan, and Nassan begat Salmon. Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and, Rahab, and, Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. Then in verse 16, it says, And Jacob begat Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall be called, uh, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins." Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which is spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now when I read these verses and I think about what they are driving to, it reminds me of Romans 5, 8. It says, God commendeth his love toward us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. As we read the stories of those different people that are mentioned in that passage, and we think about the significance of the lives that they lived, we recognize that God sent his son to die for sinners. And more than anything, it takes the love of God and it presents it to us and it says, this is a love that is worth celebrating and glorying in. And so that's where I want to start with this. God's grace was overwhelmingly displayed by both the big picture of what he was accomplishing through history and even those little details, how he dealt with those people in those individual stories, how he was persistent and patient and kind and worked through, their, worked through them and in them. 
we also see that God's love is overwhelmingly displayed as his benevolence on people whose lives were filled with misery. They were wretched creatures, and as are we wretched creatures. We are sinners. We are people who violate God's laws. We live uh, in rebellion against him, and yet he continues to demonstrate a love that is full of grace and that we see in this, this passage of scripture. The third thing is that God's sovereign power was overwhelmingly displayed in his ability to manage such complicated situations. When we look at all the details, if we had the ability to process all of it, we would have to conclude that what God did was best and what God did is good and what God accomplished serves to glorify him immensely. So I wanna encourage you, let's marvel in God's goodness as we think on this passage. The gospel is his story. It's not our story. It's a story that has significance on our lives, but it's not about what we do for God. It's about what he did for us. And the gospel is a beautiful story because it reminds us repeatedly that God's ways are good and that God sent his son into the world to redeem us because he loves us. It reminds us that he is honest when he says, I will do it, he does it. He is wise. He knows the best way to accomplish it. His power is infinite. His patience is something that is overwhelmingly consistent. He is good. And so it reminds us that this is the way that God works. And so I want to encourage you as we think about all of these things that we've processed throughout the week, we need to trust God, not just for our salvation, but we need to trust him unreservedly with the details of our lives. Details that sometimes are overwhelming and frustrating and discouraging and complicated. We can trust him. We can rest in his sovereign purposes. What God is doing is bigger than what we understand in the moment. And so let's glory in his ways and let's glory in who he is and let's glory in what we have because of what he's done for us. Lord willing, we'll see many of you this coming weekend and uh, looking forward to a great Sunday. Have a good rest of your day and have a good weekend. And Lord willing, we'll meet again. Bye now.